0: Victorious in the arena of spiritual warfare, you need the most effective weapons. That includes the weapon of worship. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah examines the tactical value of praise and worship as one of the most powerful weapons in keeping the forces of darkness at bay. From My Heart's Desire, Here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Warfare of Worship. And thank you for joining us today. If you're a Christian, you have no doubt
1: been to some uh, memorial services for people who have gone on to heaven. And uh, perhaps you've even been to a few services of people who did not know the Lord, and you know the difference between the two. And one of the things that I think is amazing is when you face the most difficult thing that you will ever face in life, which is death. If you're a Christian, you go to the service and you worship. You sing hymns. You give praise to the Lord. You face the most difficult challenge with this incredible tool we call worship. And that's based upon... Biblical information. There's a story we're in the middle of here uh, that's from Second Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 20 that talks about how in the midst of an actual war, the worshipers, the choir, the Levites, they were put out in front to go do battle against the enemy. I don't know that we realize how powerful worship can be for us when we're going through difficult times and how how worship is such a barrier against the enemy. I remember um, one very famous Christian said, I sing the doxology and say goodbye to the devil. (laughs) That's what happens when we worship. And we're going to talk about that some more today. I'm glad you joined us. This is a great discussion. Hey, you can get the book from which this was all uh, originated, a book called My Heart's Desire, a book I wrote on worship, and you can get it from davidjeremiah.org, along with a study guide and the CD package. And you can also get the monthly resource for Turning Point, which is Moving Mountains, our 2023 Turning Point calendar. Uh, this is available to you. It's a 14-month calendar, including November and December. And uh, we do this in September, so you can get it in plenty of time to start entering your year-end details in there. This is the busiest time of the year for most people. You need time to think this out. And then, of course, you can put it in a place where you can enjoy the beautiful photography of these majestic mountains. Once again, Moving Mountains, the calendar, is available to you for a gift of any size during the month of September. Don't forget to ask for your copy when you send your gift this month. Well, let's get started with part two of the warfare of worship.
2: Now that Jehoshaphat is back home, everything is settled down. There's no war going on in his kingdom. One day, some of his people come to him and say, King, there is a huge army that is marching against you and they're right on your doorstep and they're about ready to attack. What are you gonna do? Well, given his past in consulting help from those who are outside of God's plan, it's now an opportunity for Jehoshaphat to see what he's learned. By the way, could I just stop here for a moment and tell you that in my life, I've discovered kind of a pattern that God follows. I don't know if he does that with you. God will give us an opportunity to learn a lesson, give us some principles that we need to implement. We'll... Have the opportunity to use those principles, and sometimes we blow it big time. Did anybody else ever do that beside me? And after you do that, and you learn the hard lesson, because there's always a penalty to pay when you do that. I mean, it may not be severe, but it's felt. And you back away from having experienced that, and you say, Boy, was that ever stupid. Why did I do that? I knew better. Look what God says. And so you kind of Re input that information into your spiritual computer and you think you've learned a lesson, and it won't be two weeks before he'll give you another chance to find out if you really learned it or not. It just seems like God does that over and over again to keep testing us to see if we're learning what he's trying to teach us. Well, that's exactly what happened to Jehoshaphat. He had just gotten settled, he'd learned the lesson of not going into compromise with those who were outside of the Lord. Now he's back home and here comes this army. What is he going to do? Well, I'm glad to report that Jehoshaphat truly did learn his lesson. In fact, if you'll turn in your Bibles to the 20th chapter, let's just read a little portion of what happened. Verse 1 says, It came to pass after this that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them others beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There comes a great multitude against you from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. That's a good start, isn't it? First of all, it's not wrong to be afraid. If you're not afraid, something's wrong with you. How many have ever been afraid when you've seen the enemy come against you? Surely you have. That's godly fear. If Fear means I don't have the resources in myself. And so being afraid, he begins to call for a fast. And now the people come together. And the scripture says, verse four, that Judah gathered themselves together, and here's how we know Josh had learned his lesson. They gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all of the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. That's where you begin, isn't it? Let me ask you something. Is your last resort to seek the Lord? Isn't that often the way it is with us? Here's what Jehoshaphat learned through his bitter experience with Ahab. He learned how to make his last resort his first resort. And so what's happening here is he's got the people together. And I wish I had time to unfold this story in detail because it's a marvelous passage of worship and praise. From this moment on, from where we've just read all the way through to the end, there is nothing going on here but praise and worship. First of all, he has all the people together and they've come to seek the Lord. And notice what happens. Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and in Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court. And now watch, he's gonna praise God. He said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen and in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? And if we read the rest of this prayer, what you discover is that Jehoshaphat is praising God for who he is, for what he's done, and for what he knows he can do. You get down to the 10th verse and notice he finally turns his praise and worship into a very precise request. And now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade, they are coming against us. Behold, they reward us to come after us. O our God, verse 12, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children, and they waited for God to speak. Now, notice the difference between crisis number one and crisis number two. In crisis number one, Jehoshaphat uses his own wisdom against the counsel of God and gets into major trouble. In crisis number two, when the problem comes, his first resort is to come to God and he begins his whole interchange with the Lord with a strong testimony of worship and praise. Now, he's got his people together. Now he's about ready to decide how to go to warfare. And friends, I want to tell you what happens next is the strangest military experience I have ever read of in my life. There is not anything like it in the chronicles of military history anywhere that I know of. But it's here in the Word of God, and it happened. Jehoshaphat has his people together. One of the prophets of his congregation stands up and gives a little sermon. It's a great little sermon. And he says, Trust in the Lord, and you'll be successful. Listen to your prophets, and you're going to be all right. And then Jehoshaphat gathers them together and he says, we're going out to battle. Let's plan our strategy. Let me tell you what we're going to do. Now let me read to you what happened. The scripture says that Jehoshaphat, verse 18, bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. Now underline this, worshiping the Lord And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went before the army to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and no one escaped. Now isn't that a strange tale? Did you hear what happened? They got together to go forth to battle, and Jehoshaphat said, Get all the choir members together get them in formation, and send them out in front of the army, and they aren't to take any implements with them. They're just to sing. They're saying, His mercy endureth forever. They're to praise God. And as they praised God, the scripture says, as they worshiped the Lord, the enemy was confused, and they started to kill each other. And when they got on killing each other, they killed themselves. And so when they came to the place where they expected this gigantic army, all they saw were bodies on the ground. And the Bible goes on to say, That there was so much spoil among the army, it took them days to bring it back. And finally they got all this loot back. And then what do you suppose they did? They had another praise and worship service to give God glory for all that he had done through the implementation of their spiritual warfare. Now, I don't know what you think about this story, but this is true. This happened. God literally won a major war on behalf of his people through worship and praise. And I know what some of you are saying. But Pastor Jeremiah, that was back there. And I live in the here and now. And I don't think God does that sort of thing now like he did back there. I wonder how many of the promises of God we have lost back there. Have you ever wondered about that? God did back there what he's willing to do right here. Because the principles of the word of God are the same that God inhabits the praises of his people and God goes forward to do mighty works when his people are anointed with praise and worship and are willing to give him the glory. So since you wonder if that sort of thing really happens today, I thought I'd tell you about two or three occasions when worship and praise has been used in recent times and it has affected a major victory for the Lord. First of all, Let me tell you a story about something that happened on the mission field. An evangelist who had been used of God to lead many people to the Lord all over the world held a very special crusade in Mombasa, Kenya. And in that crusade, he saw the power of praise and worship come alive in a mighty way. In this particular crusade, thousands of people had come from villages all over Mombasa, and with them they had carried the sick and the dying. They came with stretchers and wheelchairs. They came with people strapped on their backs. They came for the medical help, but they also came because they heard that something was happening there. Half an hour before each of the services began, 20 loudspeakers all over the field played music from a tape, a tape which I have, by the way entitled all hail King Jesus and even though most of the people didn't understand any of the words never had heard anything like this before they could not get away from the fact that the Spirit of God was all over that music and God was using it in a marvelous way to prepare them for the crusade one of those who had written about it said what must it feel like to be sick and diseased with no hospital no medicine no doctor nobody to help you and then to be carried in from the country and set down on the ground and hear music like that come out from those big speakers it was like heaven to them there is no wonder that Jesus was there one of the songs that was played that God seemed to use in a very special way was we are standing on holy ground By the power of God, one of those who watched this occasion said that when that song was played on every single night, that they literally could hear the demons screaming out loud in pain because of the praise and worship that was lifted up to God. You say, oh, that sounds cultic. Hey, that's the truth. We do not understand the demonic power in our culture today that is felt very vividly by those who are on the mission field. But let me tell you, it is coming closer to us every day that we live. And there are those here in our culture, in our community, who know something of that. But on that day, when worship and praise was offered to the Lord, the demons were set running, screaming, because of that which was mounted against them in the worship and praise of God's people. Well, you say, Pastor Jeremiah, that's on the mission field. It's not back there, it's out there. I'm not interested about back there and out there. I'm talking about here in our culture. Well, I thought you might ask that. So I thought I'd tell you one more story. 1987 is the date in Southeast Alabama. There was a rash of teenage suicides that nobody could explain. I remember reading about this in the paper. It was quite well publicized. A Southern Baptist preacher by the name of Rick Hagans knew that there was something in the area that was causing this beyond just the propensity to take one's life. In fact, he had personally associated it in his own mind with satanic activity. There was a growing satanic cult in that particular community in the valley. In ministering to young people and talking with them and hearing what they were saying about their friends, he knew that there had to be some connection with what was happening to those kids and the worship of Satan, which was becoming so prevalent. Some of the kids in his youth group actually told him about a ring of devil worshipers. And he said a friend of theirs who was one of the most popular boys in their high school had told them that he was involved in a club and that he wanted to get out of this club, but the leaders had told him that they wouldn't let him out. And he told his Christian friends, he said, if I am found dead, I want you to know that it was the club members who killed me. Sure enough, a few weeks later, that very boy was found in a car with a hose from an exhaust pipe taped to his wrist. They ruled his death, suicide by asphyxiation. But the young people in Rick Hagan's youth group knew better. They knew something had happened that this boy had no control over. Rick decided that he would mobilize the other Christians because he felt this was spiritual warfare area and something needed to happen. He went to see some of the chiefs of police in some of the small communities where these things were happening. And they found in talking with the police departments that the cult members were very active. And in fact, they learned from the police reports that these cult members were actually drawing names of other students and targeting them for suicide. And if the student wouldn't commit suicide, the group would kill him and make it look like suicide. Apparently, there were a number of adults involved in this cult and even incredibly some ministers were involved. So Rick and the other Christians told the police that they wanted to help in any way they could. They knew it was a spiritual battle and so every day for a week they went to the area where all this was taking place and they would worship and praise the Lord just to kind of sort of cleanse the area. And then they decided one day that their marching words would be from the story of Elijah in the Old Testament. Rick said he remembered how Elijah stood up on the mountain and confronted the prophets of Baal. And he said, let's see who the real God is. And he confronted the prophets of Baal. And of course, you know Elijah won and the prophets of Baal were made to look silly. I'm not suggesting that we do this as a part of our ministry, but Rick decided that he would confront the evil forces of that community. So he went on radio and television and he announced that on Halloween night at midnight, in the graveyard he and his people would be there and he invited those who were responsible for all of this wickedness to come and they were going to confront them with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit so Halloween came and at midnight Rick and his friends stood in the cemetery ready to confront the satanic cult Rick said, I've always fought the devil with prayer and preaching, but as I prayed about how to do this, God seemed to be telling me that prayer and preaching weren't to be the focus that night, but that we were to praise God and worship him. We had a 12-foot cross that we had made, and we, each of us had a bag of tracks we were going to pass out to everybody who came. He said, it seemed as if the Lord just said, put the cross up, put enough light so people can see it and be ready to pass out your tracks, but don't do anything but worship and praise me. So Rick said, all of them gathered together in the center. And he said, we didn't have any ability to see the words, and we didn't know many worship and praise choruses back then, so we sang some of the familiar hymns like Just As I Am, the old rugged cross, and a few scripture choruses that we knew. But we praised God out loud. Sure enough, the enemy came, and it was a spooky sight. They found in one of the places where they were moving toward this confrontation, they found that someone had left a cow that had been butchered and its entrails taken out. It was miles from any pasture land, so they knew that that had been placed there by the satanic people to discourage and intimidate them. And so as the crowd gathered around the singers, they began to jeer and taunt them. Many of them were dressed in Halloween costumes, as ghosts and vampires. Think of it, midnight on Halloween, in the graveyard, surrounded by all these spooky-looking creatures. And here's this group of Christian young people praising and worshiping God. Well, we didn't pray warfare-type prayers, said Rick. We didn't break curses or talk about strongholds. All we did is praise and worship the Lord. And as we did, God's Spirit seemed to captivate the crowd. They stopped jeering. They stopped taunting. They sat there as if transfixed, listening for hours as we sang praises to the Lord. They weren't watching a bunch of professional musicians said, Rick, we didn't even have a guitar. All we did is worship and praise the Lord. Finally, at 4 a.m., they left, having listened to the worship and praise of God for almost four hours. There was not one single threat made against them. And according to the report, strange as it may seem, from that night on, there were no more teenage suicides. It ended right there in the graveyard through the power of worship and praise unto God. Now you say to me, Pastor Jeremiah, does that really happen? It only doesn't happen for us because we don't ever allow it to happen. It does happen. And I want to make a prediction. I'm not a prophet, even though I joke about having a prophet's name. I want to tell you something. It better be something we learn how to do better than we know how to do it right now. In our community, there is a concentration of satanic involvement. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to frighten you. I'm telling you there are weird and strange things that happen. And as God's people, he has placed us here to be a witness for his glory and his grace And we need to learn how to use the tools that he's given us. We have the whole armor of God and we are to stand. But worship and praise is a tool for spiritual warfare that we need to learn how to implement. We're to learn how to do that individually, privately, in our own lives so that we go forward and do warfare. And I want to challenge you as the people of God that you will learn how to worship and praise God personally in a way that you have never known before as you learn how to sing praise and worship to his name. And when you get a chance to worship the Lord and maybe if you're just especially under some pressure, maybe if you're going through some difficult times, you know I think about all the things that happen to us. Perhaps some of you are facing battles that seem just beyond your strength. A broken marriage some of you are facing problems with your children you've got hopeless financial problems and you don't know what to do and you feel like maybe there's satanic involvement trying to discourage you let me tell you how you can war against that get some worship music or if you know some worship songs and you can sing without tracks or whatever do whatever you need to do but get some of those things and begin to learn them and then when you have your private time with the Lord get someplace where nobody can bother you Turn that music up and worship God and praise Him, and learn how to do that as a pattern in your life.
1: Amen. Amen. Hey, friends, before we uh, run out of time today, I want to tell you again about our events that are coming up this fall. On Thursday, October the 6th, we're going to be in Raleigh, North Carolina at the PNC Arena. On the 13th, we're going to be in Orlando, Florida at the Amway Center. On Thursday, October the 20th in Greenville, South Carolina at the Bon Secours Wellness Arena. And on Friday, November the 11th in Buffalo, New York at the Key Bank Center. We also have an incredible cruise coming up at the end of the year, December the 28th through January the 4th. We're going to the Caribbean. We'll celebrate New Year's Eve and New Year's Day aboard a beautiful cruise ship with a bunch of Christian friends. And and, uh, with worship and music and celebration and a lot of fun. I hope you'll look into it and uh, come along with us if you can. I know you'll enjoy it. And be sure to join us tomorrow for the wise of worship.
0: Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. Let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by writing to us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098 Delta BC, V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca/slash radio or calling 800 946 4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2023, Moving Mountains, and spend each day encouraged. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series My Heart's Desire here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah.
3: Faith that moves mountains. Turning Point's Moving Mountains 2023 calendar will remind you of the power of faith. With monthly scriptures and a Bible reading plan, this 14-month calendar will help you stay organized and grow in the Lord. The Moving Mountains calendar is yours with a gift of any amount to the ministry. And when you give $100 or more, we'll send you five calendars, perfect for sharing with family and friends. Go to davidjeremiah.ca.
1: When a mother wanted to read the Bible with her young daughter, the little girl had a request. She wanted to read her grandfather's Bible because his Bible was more interesting than the mother's Bible. When the mother explained that both Bibles were the same, her daughter said, I thought grandfather's Bible must be more interesting because he spends more time reading his. (laughs) Well, it's amazing how loud our actions speak to our children. For example, Based on how often your children see you reading your Bible, how interesting must they think it is, and how eager do you think they will be to read it? This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's fascinating book on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word
0: home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life.